Violinist Yehudi Menuhin, fascinating and controversial figure in the music world, sets the stage for us by raising themes that are current today. At a special ceremony in 1986, the governing mayor of Berlin presented Sir Yehudi Menuhin with the 1986 Berlin Moses Mendelssohn Prize for the promotion of tolerance towards dissenters and between the various peoples, races, and religions of the world. Michael Jenny, acting director of the International Institute for Comparative Music Studies and Documentation, tells us there are at times composers in whose works is revealed a fascination for the music of other cultures, but only rarely has it been the case that important executants of Western music have manifested an interest in foreign musics. Menuhin has most emphatically done this. At the same time, however, committing himself in a variety of ways, with all the energy he can muster, with increasing expertise and considerable facility, to making it clear that he does not give absolute primacy to the European musical tradition, of which for decades he has surely been one of the most distinguished representatives, that he does not regard it as occupying a dominating position in the world, one which would lead to ignoring other musical cultures. Early on during his journeys around the world, Menuhin not only saw himself as a spokesperson for his music, but also turned his attention more and more to other musical systems. In India, this interest was intensified as a result of his friendship with Nehru, and as long ago as 1961, he invited the sitar virtuoso Ravi Shankar and other prominent Indian musicians to cooperate with him at his festivals in Bath and Windsor. In the years that followed, he performed together with Shankar. In doing so, he was by no means aiming at propagating a somewhat doubtful synthesis of two cultures, but rather perhaps as an attractive experiment, above all, though, aiming at a visible and audible sign of the extent to which he was not just proclaiming his beliefs in this respect, but actually realizing them in musical terms by presenting both the European musical culture and another musical tradition side by side. Later, in less integrating form, Menuhin also took part in such intercultural musical events as a 1978 UNESCO concert in which, in addition to performances by ensembles from Bahrain, Brazil, and India, he played a Bach partita. The International Music Council only gradually developed its own self-concept as an intercultural organization which does not, in fact, see music as the universal language, but in keeping with UNESCO's aims, stands up for the preservation of each and every one of the world's diverse musical traditions and cultures. Words of Michael Jenny in his essay, Menuhin's Musical Cosmopolitanism. On the release of a 20-disc set of Menuhin recordings in 2016, Mark Swed wrote in the Los Angeles Times, Playing ragas with sitarist Ravi Shankar was about as uncomfortable as Menuhin could get. A trip to India in the 1950s opened Menuhin's eyes to another world, cultural, spiritual, and physical. This resulted in not only rethinking everything Menuhin knew about music, but also about violin technique. He had begun to develop technical difficulties, especially with his bow arm, 
His intonation wasn't as reliable as it had been, and raga is the essence of intonation. But in India, Menuhin discovered that purity is a much bigger concept than in the West. Pure intonation may be a way of communicating with the gods, but through improvisation, there is also the understanding that nothing is predictable, just as poverty on the streets of Delhi and the purity of the spirit are not always separable. Mark Swed refers to Menuhin's technical difficulties in playing the violin, and there are well-known stories about Menuhin's embrace of yoga to help him with those significant problems. There is an award-winning violinist in our area who is dedicated to the education of young violinists to be the best musicians they can be and to give them a framework to perform in safe and healthy ways through their lives as players. Sophie Till is Associate Professor of Violin and Viola and Director of the String Project at Marywood University in Scranton and Chair of the National String Project Consortium and founder of the Young String Players Health Alliance. But for her, health is connected fundamentally in the root of the word to wholeness. And so Sophie's attention to the physical well-being of her students is at the service of their ability to develop the skills they will need to make remarkable music alone and with others in a soulful way. The String Project at Marywood University is an after-school pre-collegiate string program for students ages 7 through 18. Participants take small group lessons in violin, viola, cello, and double bass, participate in orchestra, and perform in concerts. To mark two decades of working with young string players, Sophie Till was able to create a year-long project with Puerto Rican-American violinist and educator Sky Steele from New York and his People's History of Strings, which is an interactive musical and multimedia journey that traces the evolution of fiddles around the world. Sky Steele will bring his band to Marywood this weekend as the culmination of their Zoom experiences, and we had a chance to speak by Zoom with Sophie and Skye about the collaboration and the special anniversary. This year is actually our 20th anniversary. It's hard to imagine. We've had this incredible string project at Marywood for the last 20 years. So it was actually one of the first string projects to be founded in the country. So we're really honored and it's a good thing to celebrate. So it is our birthday as well. I think what really happened, two things happened during COVID, actually. The first was I started to become curious watching the, the children respond to the music itself, the actual sheet of paper in front of them and the notes they were looking at and starting to watch the sort of mental process, the kind of blocks that come from staring at a piece of paper and trying to follow blobs and tails and things like that and sort of exploring how to get them past that. You know, we do a lot of playing by ear, but I was curious about that process in their learning. And then along with that came obviously huge social turmoil in our country. And I felt that we needed to respond to that. I didn't want to make a statement. I thought it was much better to do something proactive. 
and to explore new avenues of the kinds of materials and the kinds of educational opportunities we're offering the children through the music that they're learning. So I applied for a research fellowship here at Marywood for that summer, which I got. And Christiana Vida, who helps me with String Project, she works with the lower strings. And I started meeting with Sky that summer. And we would have Zoom conversations. And it was really, it was really wonderful because it was a way to dig out, if you like, the dark corners of one's brain <laughs> that you need to talk about in order to shine a light on these things that we do automatically in our teaching. It's very white Western male dominated. If you grow up in that, it's hard to see it for what it is. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's not wonderful and valuable and fantastic, but just giving it a bigger perspective. So those summer conversations were really like shining a, a sort of flashlight around the brain and digging out these corners of things that we hadn't really spent time talking about. And then out of that, we started to develop curriculum ideas of music from around the world that the children could get involved with. So we started that in the fall using some music from Sky and it was pretty remarkable. We started with a little Turkish piece with some of our intermediate kids and they just wanted to play. I mean, we really spent 15 weeks playing this Turkish song. I was really amazed. And they were, they were fascinated because there was, there was no music and they were listening to a style rather than you know, trying to, to follow along with the music all kinds of things that they would normally have found difficult, like an augmented second interval on a, on a fiddle is kind of hard to, hard to tune. But because they understood it as a flavor, like a spice, if you like, in the recipe, they would go home and really work on that. Like they wanted the exact flavor of that sound. So it, it sort of switched on all these different parts of our musical brains that we hadn't been using. And that's what we've continued to do. And Sky's on his way here with his band. Sky, what happened with you when you were little, Sky? How did you come to music? Did you pick <laughs> up a fiddle or was it drums? Were you always singing? How did that happen? Yeah, this this whole journey and, and the work we're doing together with the Marywood String Project is, is really connected to my journey and my journey with my family. My mother is a Suzuki violin teacher which is the sort of most mainstream way that string playing in the Western classical tradition is brought to young people probably all over the world now, certainly in this country. My mother is also uh, an immigrant from Puerto Rico whose family moved from the island from Juana Diaz to Atlanta when she was a little girl in the 1950s. And so she grew up and was given a violin at school when she couldn't speak any English and couldn't talk to anyone. And the violin became this really important way for her to connect and find a way into that experience she was having. Her father, she comes from a musical family. My grandfather, Juan Soto, was a musician and his sister, my great aunt, you know, played music and made records in San Juan as young adults. But my mother's sort of experience growing up in the South in the 50s and 60s and becoming a violinist really sort of became a left turn in our family's musical lineage. You know, she became a classical musician and brought us up in that way. And when I was moving to New York City as a 17-year-old high school graduate, my, my abuela said to me, oh, you're moving to New York, por fin, you're finally going to meet some Puerto Ricans. And it's sort of the beginning of this journey. 
I went on then of first playing music on the violin that comes from all over the world, but then also sort of examining, well, how does this connect to who I am and where my family is from? And understanding that that was something that was kind of left out of the training that my mother received and the training that I received as a kid. And, you know, my mother genuinely loves classical music, as do I. This isn't about like canceling classical music, you know, but it's to say that when we learn these instruments, we want to connect to the world outside, but we also want to connect to, to the world inside of us. And that's part of our job as, as musicians and as music teachers. And so when you got to New York, then what did you do? Did you just go to places and listen or sit in with people? How did you get to hear and experience and start playing that broader range of music? Yeah, so I was I was at a liberal arts college at the new school, and I was playing my violin in the subways to kind of get grocery money. And there's a really fantastic jazz program at the new school also. So I was, I made friends with a lot of people who were involved there and, and eventually applied and became a student there. So my sort of college conservatory level training on the violin took me into rather than a typical classical training where we can kind of trace our lineage back to Dorothy DeLay or Ivan Galamian or Leopold Auer, all these sort of huge figures of classical music, it was well, Reggie Workman, who worked with John Coltrane, and Charles Tolliver, who worked with Art Blake and the Jazz Messengers. Jimmy Owens, who was close with Jonah Jones, who played with Stuff Smith, who's sort of my biggest inspiration as a jazz violinist. So, so that was a real strong turning point, inflection point in my journey with music. And while I was there, I made friends who were involved in exploring music from Brazil and music from the Middle East. And those people started inviting me to join bands because, hey, hey, there's fiddle in this music. Why don't you learn how to play this music and join this band with us? And there was, you know, me kind of scratching my head being like, what? Okay. And within a couple of years, here we are traveling to Brazil, collaborating with Maracatu musicians in Hesifi. Here I am traveling to Turkey, sitting in with gypsy Roma musicians in the cafes, learning about how this music works. And, and at the same time, taking all these experiences back to New York, where I am now teaching violin to little third and fourth graders in a public school and saying, hey, like the violin is taking me on all these incredible adventures and I want my students to know that about this instrument and to know that it can connect them to the world in this way. So going back 20 years, I started building little pieces of curriculum where my beginners could encounter this instrument in kind of its fullness. And, and that really led to, over the years, developing the, the concert program that, that Sophie saw back during the pandemic online called A People's History of Strings where we try and lay out a proper sort of busting out of the Eurocentric frame history of this family of instruments, the bowed stringed instruments, and say, okay, this is technology that was developed in South and Central Asia sometime over 2000 years ago. It traveled on the Silk Road and showed up in East Asia and in the Middle East around the same time, around 5600 AD spread with Islamic culture through North Africa, down into West Africa, was imported to Europe by the North African Muslims who colonized the Iberian Peninsula, uh, and from there spread to the rest of Europe. 
And when Europeans traveled to the Western Hemisphere, was was brought there and introduced by them there, and was adopted around 500 years ago by lots of different indigenous, Afro-indigenous, African diasporic, and European-derived cultures on North America, South America, and the Caribbean. So this family of instruments has a life in all these places. And Europe is really one important part of the story, but it's really just one part of the story. So, so we're trying to curate an experience for young people that, that, that gives them a way into more of that story. And Sophie, when you and Christiana were going back and forth with Sky hearing this and discussing things about the instrument and the music that Sky is playing and you're bringing back the Turkish tune to your students, what were those dark corners? What kinds of things did you have to come to terms with? Was it technical? Was it repertoire-centered? Was it all of that? It, it's not technical. I would say that, you know, the essence of String Project is still the essence of String Project. I think it was more definitely in terms of repertoire. So they learn, they'll learn a Bach minuet, but they're learning all these songs from around the world in different ways. So there is no music there. We're doing it all by ear. I might break it down for them so that they can digest it piece by piece. So they're learning technical elements just because they're trying to match a sound that belongs to a song and the songs all have a story to them. So they've got a flavor of that. And then also, you know, as Sky said in one of the workshops, we've had a few workshops across the year. You know, most, we, we play Western classical music, but actually when we kind of improvise and we take these elements that we know and we put them together in a sort of collage of playing, that's how most people make music. You know, our very traditional dressed in white and black or all black and formal concert attire, is, is not how most people do it. So giving them a flavor of that, these different styles of tunes, finding different things on the instrument, along with the Western classical music that we would normally give them. So they're making music a different way, they're learning music a different way, they're practicing a different way. You know, the essential technical approach obviously is the same, but it's, it's adding all these other elements to it that we've explored. And I think also the other side of the work that we've done with Sky is helping them take ownership for their own musical contribution. It's not just that they are learning music from around the world, but that includes their contribution to music from around the world, whether it means um, we wrote a February blues song in the doldrums of February one Thursday afternoon, and they constructed that themselves with words and different parts and so that kind of thing. So where the, the students are seeing themselves, hopefully, as part of this big picture, and they have as much ownership in that as any of the rest of us, rather than just trying to obey something. I just wanted to connect to what Sophie was saying about the kids bringing themselves into the work and doing generative work. This is like a really important thing, I think, for all of us who are instrumental music teachers, especially, you know, there's no other art discipline where you would work with young people and say, oh, I'm teaching a drawing class for eight-year-olds, but, but all we do is we, we do color by number because they couldn't possibly draw a picture of their family. They have no understanding of three-point perspective. Like, how could I expect them to do that? 
an art teacher that said that would be out on their ears. But we tend to forget that as, as music teachers and instrumental teachers, especially that the generative impulse is really inherent in, in all people, even in those of us who have been subjected to 20 or 30 years of pedagogy that would tell us otherwise, who are now teaching. And, and so really connecting to young people's inner life and inviting them to bring themselves into this space and inviting them to bring themselves into their experience with music and empowering them with different musical skills that will help them to continue that journey is, is a really important part of what we're doing. So my hope for young people is that, yes, you grow up and you graduate and you go do whatever you're going to do with your life. And, and maybe you could sit down with your friends and read through some string quartets, but also maybe you could sit down with your friend who has a guitar and wants to sing a song and just make music together with them. And, and that's sort of the way I have spent the last 20 years of my performing career is playing in bands and really exploring and creating with people. And I think if we don't give our string students some of the skills to be able to make music in that way, we're really doing them a disservice. When you think about the wide range of countries and continents that you've just mentioned, Sky, that you can draw on, that musicians draw on and so forth, so often there is a vocal component. And so often we hear string players wanting their playing to be lyrical, like the human voice. Yeah, singing together and working with and, and breathing together. You know, I mean, the first thing we have to do is start, start singing together. And, and it seems really obvious, but can, can be shocking in, a, in an instrumental classroom or in an orchestra to say, like, let's all sing this song. And, you know, I was not someone, I'm, I'm a singer, I'm a singer-songwriter, that is part of my career, but it was not always, I didn't have training as a singer or anything as a young, as a young musician. And I remember being 24 years old and traveling to Brazil for the first time to collaborate with musicians in Hasifi. And sort of having this moment of like, oh, everyone is a singer. Everyone sings. Like, that's just how it is. That's just how it should be. How can you make music and not use your voice? You know, we're human beings. We've been singing longer than we've been talking. And if you can do all these incredible gymnastics with this instrument, but you don't feel comfortable to, to use your voice, open your mouth and, and verbalize some music, and something really strange has happened, you know, along the way. And so, so, so the kids in the concert will be doing a lot of singing in addition to playing. I just want to add to that. So last night we were working with the little kids and we were, they were making up words to this little part of a song and they, they were having such a good time because they wanted it just to, to weep and to cry. And, and so they, they had a great time singing and coming up with words and then matching that with the bow stroke and how much bow they needed and how much sound. And then they would say, well, they were very good at being very reflective. Like, did that match what we want it to sound like? And is that enough to get to the back of the hall and communicate to these people? So it's been a great way to make them very analytical, both about the technical stuff, obviously, because it's got to match the singing, and then finding those things in their own inner ear, both with, with words and sounds. And it, it's great fun. They come up with the most spectacular answers. You can see these imaginations going. It's really fun to watch them. 
And Sky, whom do you bring with you when you come to Northeastern Pennsylvania? Oh, it's uh, it's a really incredible all-star band. So my friend Mike Laval, who's been sort of my musical right-hand guy for 15 years in every project I've done just about, who plays bass. He plays a Brazilian drum called the Zabumba. He plays cavaquinho, which is another Brazilian small instrument, sort of like a hypercharged ukulele. So we have Michael, we have Willem Delisfort, who's an incredible jazz pianist, Haitian-American, sort of really prominent up-and-coming voice in the jazz scene in New York on piano. And we have Metiana Morales, who's an incredible singer. She's the lead singer of a band called Walk Talk and plays percussion as well. She, like myself, is Puerto Rican-American. And we have Gilbert Mansour, who's a percussionist from Lebanon, who is also a sort of eclectic uh, as a percussionist. So he plays Middle Eastern percussion really fantastically, but also is joining Metiana's playing congas, um, and he's playing some of the smaller percussion when we go into the Latin and salsa material. So they're all people who have really strong voices of their own, but also are really flexible musicians. Because we're trying to do something with this ensemble that is a little audacious in in trying to touch on a variety of different styles and locations and hopefully doing them justice and and not presenting them as a pastiche or in a in a shallow way but trying to really bring the depth and the richness of music from these different places as much as we're able. And Sophie, it sounds as if you've been working with your students in lovely ways and opening them up so that when this experience happens, they will be open and they'll be able to receive it and participate and really grow through it. That, that's the idea. Even, even our little beginners who are as young as four, they're, um, they're ready. <laughs> they're ready to jump in with the bits that they know and the bits that they can contribute. So I, I think they're pretty excited. You know, I've been trying to give them a little bit of an idea of how it's going to look and how it's going to feel. And they, I think they're ready. So it'll be great. This will be a whole new venture. And what a great way to celebrate our birthday and to sort of explore a whole new dimension to what we're doing here, which I think is a very important way to respond to the world that we live in. And are we, as a public, able to hear what's going to take place? Everyone's welcome. String Project concerts are really fun. They are rather noisy. <laughs> the audience tends to include lots of tiny people. So it's definitely a family event. Uh, everyone is welcome. Admission is free. It'll be at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, May 2nd at Marywood in the Set Lafayette Center in the main auditorium. And so all welcome. Please bring small children, old, young, tiny. Everyone's welcome. Sky, before we close... Let's talk about a piece of music, something that you're excited about or that we might hear in the performance. There's one song that we'll, that we'll use in the concert. There's a piece of mine called Growing Song that's on a record that came out in 2015. That's the sort of like capstone of the concert where we've sort of gone on this journey around the world and through the past and really trying to connect it to, okay, now here we are, we're carrying music forward together into the future and into the future is part of the refrain of that song. So when we meet with the young people on Sunday, one of the things we're going to do is ask each of the string project ensembles to help us write a new verse to that song, which we'll all sing together on the concert to really help visualize the world that we all want to bring into being and put that out there in the music.
creation comes Like blood around in circles So we're one Becoming two, my little you We'll dance upon this holy loop And stretch it out into a wire You walk along above the burning lights Your shadow hurled into the skylands Upside down against a cloud so soft Even shadows wouldn't break upon it So you reach the other side to find the line you crossed You cannot leave behind, connects right to your heart The shadow joins you once again, these two constant companions in the end When you're alone you see I want, so take the rope in hand and coil it gently As you go crying aloud into the future Crying again, tied to a world unraveling Crying aloud into the future and you'll be Crying again into the future Violinist and educator Sky Steele and his song, Growing Song, with his band Guy Steele spoke with us and Sophie Till about a people's history of strings, a narrative concert coming to Marywood University in Scranton this weekend. Sophie Till is Associate Professor of Violin and Director of the String Project at Marywood University. She is also Chair of the National String Project Consortium and faculty at the Golansky Institute in New York the foremost institute for teaching the Taubman approach, and that is dedicated to developing an approach to string teaching intended to give players the tools to overcome physical playing limitations, enabling them to reach new levels of expressivity. Sophie and Christiana Vida have been working for the past year by Zoom with Sky Steel, preparing for this in-person visit this weekend. The young members of the Marywood String Project will have workshops with Sky and his musicians, and that will culminate in a public performance on Monday, May 2nd at 6.30 at the Set Lavargetta Center, and this piece will be featured. Laces within Like songs forgotten Still I sing Into a new old melody That loops around To shorten my sleep I see a crowd of lovers It's the Marywood University String Project Spring Gala Concert supported by a grant from Lackawanna County. And the concert will take place on the campus this Monday, May 2nd at 6.30 at the Set Lavargetta Center. We're all invited to celebrate with these young players on hand. Sky Steel, 
violinist and educator and developer of a people's history of strings to present a narrative concert on campus and the children and young people will be actually contributing a new verse to this song. Crying again for all the voices that we dream Crying aloud into the future and will be Crying again into the future For more information on the web, marywood.edu slash mtd and that stands for Music, Theater, and Dance, marywood.edu slash mtd. Sophie Till has a website, Sophie Till, T-I-L-L, sophietill.com, and Sky has a website, skysteel.com, S-K-Y-E-S-T-E-E-L-E.com. -E -E